books. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Fans of Monsters Radio where we explore the strange and the unexplained. I'm your host, Lon Stricker, and thanks for joining me. Now, if you enjoy our content, uh, please subscribe, like, and share our presentations. And uh, please feel free to place a comment as well. Uh, the Super Chat is active during the show, so please show your support for Fans of Monsters Radio by clicking the dollar icon underneath the chat. Uh, you can also use Super Thanks or buy me a coffee, the link that are our banner that's um, that's posted on the website. Your consideration is very much needed and appreciated. So tonight we've got a malevolent haunting roundtable. And uh, our guests include Dave Spinks, who has been investigating and researching the supernatural since 1986. Due to several experiences he had as a young man, since that time he has conducted several hundred investigations in the U.S. as well as Europe. Dave served in the U.S. Air Force for eight years and went on to work as a uh, federal law enforcement officer, retiring in 2011. During his paranormal investigations, Dave has experienced many hair-raising and unnerving things as one might imagine. Having investigated strange phenomena for over 30 years, he has built many friendships with some of the well-known investigators in the field today. He has been seen on various television shows to include Expedition X, Terror in the Woods, Paranormal 9-11, Young Explained, In Search of Monsters, and These Woods Are Haunted, just name a few. He's also featured in the uh, film Flatwoods Monster, A Legacy of Fear by uh, Small Town Monsters. He has been a featured guest on hundreds of paranormal-related radio shows and podcasts. Dave is often featured guest speaker at paranormal conferences around the country. He is also the author of numerous books on the topics, include uh, Cryptids, Hauntings, and Ufology. And co-founding and leading Entity Seeker Paranormal Research and Teaching since 2003, Morgan Knudsen's experiences and knowledge and knowledge have led to researching and co-creating a unique investigative program called Teaching the Living, and subsequently has been featured and hosted 
numerous specials, live presentations, and TV shows on the uh, Discovery Channel, a Haunting, uh, T&E, Destination America, the Travel Channel, CBS, among many, uh, as well as Coast to Coast AM. Now, mortgage programs are now practiced in uh, three different countries and are part of the numerous social work and psychological uh, secondary education courses in uh, Canada. She is also a regular contributor to the number one magazine in UK, Haunted Magazine. Her work has been presented at the Rhine Research Institute, and her book, Teaching the Living, Heartbreak to Happiness in the Haunted Home, is now available. And Richard Michelle is a paranormal investigator, intuitive, and, and writer from Morris County, New Jersey. He is the owner and team leader of the New Jersey Paranormal Project, an organization he founded back in 2007. His goal was to research and investigate spirit. Uh, through the uh, New Jersey Paranormal Project, he has gotten to work on some of the with some of the best experts in the paranormal field, spiritualists, and mediums. The New Jersey Paranormal Project can be seen on YouTube, and anyone can view the case files and be part of the investigation. Richard is also a writer, author, and lecturer. His latest book is titled Case Files of the Paranormal, and his website can be found at richardmichella.com. So, folks, thanks for joining me this evening. Hey, it's good to see everybody. For having me. Thank you for having me, Lon. Uh, good you. to see you all. Uh, <laughs> Before we get started, we're kind of keeping an eye on this UFO or whatever the hell gets shot down <laughs> over um, uh, the USAF got shot down over um, over Alaska today, and I think Morgan's got the feed. So if we get any updates, she'll she'll go news give us a news flash. Uh, it's kind of a crazy best. story. I got it up there, and it's like you know, yeah, itching for an update. So if it happens, well, I mean, we'll no real time. <laughs> They kind of left us hanging the whole the whole day. I mean, you know, that thing came out today, and um, uh, then the Pentagon first they had the the, uh, the admiral came in at um, at the White House and said a few things, answered a few questions. Then they went to the Pentagon, and the generals there started answering questions. But I, I don't know. Answering questions is not really the the operative word for this. They kind of. Uh, they kind of kept it, uh, you know, I don't know. And it, it was you, you knew something. Yeah, you knew something was going on, but they weren't even talking about it. So I don't know. You know, you know, it's I don't believe it was a balloon. It seemed like some craft or something was up there that they don't really know what to say about it. Over 40,000 feet up, you know, very high altitude. So yeah. that's strange. Yeah. Well, it makes you wonder how long it had been there as well. I mean, you know, considering what happened recently with the balloon, you know, we just we hear about it being shot down. But how, you know, how long was it actually there before they, they decided that that was a good idea? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Dave, you've been to service. What do you think about it? Uh, it sounds like to me as a cover story for something. Something definitely went on. We know that. But, yeah. um, you know, typically in these situations, Numerous people probably saw this thing as well, so they had to come up with something right away to just kind of quell the people down. Um, you know, we'll probably never know, like we were talking before the show, you know, what really happened, we probably will never know. They don't. They only know what, we, what they want us to know. They're only going to tell us what they want us to tell, want to tell us. So, you know, that's just how it goes with these things. It could, it could go, it could run the gambit on 
anything. I mean, it could be some kind of top secret project that went awry and they had to shoot it down. It could have been who knows what. I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole all you want. That's why I told people on my post today, just sit back and pay attention, see what happens, see what they say, and uh, don't jump to any conclusions because, you know, that's how misinformation gets spread all over the planet. You know, people oh, freak out. Oh, it's aliens coming. Well, you know, we don't know that. You know, so just and pay attention to what they say and what they don't say. You got to read into stuff sometimes, too, when they're doing these uh, Pentagon press conferences. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> if it's top secret, if it, just say, let's say hypothetical, if it was an alien craft and they shot it down. They're not going to tell us that, folks, <laughs> because number one, why they want that tech. They're going to keep it for themselves, and they're going to come up with a cover story. So, Well, the newest update, and Morgan just said the newest update was that there were no humans on it. That was kind of a crazy statement to make. Right. Yeah, and that was really weird. Why would you even say that? So what was on it? Was there anything on it, or was there another living being on it? I mean, what was it? Yeah, well, like I was saying, we were talking before the show, and um, – you know, that's the one thing I always I always say to to people that are are you looking to be investigators or anything like that is this, not only Dave like you said you got to read in between the lines but also look for information that wasn't asked. So you know if you've got somebody that comes forward and says you know well there were no humans on board well that's not typically human la- like our our language our language is no one was injured or mm-hmm. our language is uh, you know no one was on board it was on you know whatever that is but the, the human portion of that sentence was an unasked it right was an, so, it was, yeah it was an unasked question right so mm-hmm. you gotta wonder like what hmm, interesting i thought it was strange too how they said uh this was not a, uh, a flying craft i mean it didn't make sense what was it then did they open some kind of interdimensional doorway and there was something hanging in the sky i mean what's well, going on interesting yeah. you know you know i wouldn't put it past anything anymore <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said, "Yep, interdimensional no. craft is shot in from nowhere, and we shot it down." Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, what are we dealing with here? Okay. So who knows? You know, we just got to kind of wait to see what trans. Well, you know, I've got friends and family that have been in the Air Force, and you know, but uh, I talked to someone today who um, I asked about. It. I said, "Well, what you know, the area they, where they were, and he used to be, he he was a full colonel in USAF, but he retired." And I asked him, and he told me, he said, well, you know, Harp was up there where this thing was shot down at. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I didn't really realize it was up there. But uh, and he said, well, he said that Alaska and this is what he told me is Alaska has 26 defensive radar stations. And there's several up there along that along that Arctic coast. So, uh, yeah, he's not lying. Yeah. You know, that's that's a primary jumping off point, you know, to guard from Russian bombers and, and missiles. And that's why they have exactly. so much radar up there. So, um, I mean, it's basically just across a small point in the ocean where right. where Russia is from us. So. Uh, wait, yeah, that's that's the quickest route to Russia. And that's where mm-hmm. the uh, Alaskan Air Command is stationed at right up there along the uh, the Arctic Sea. So, yeah, it's Norcom. Yeah. 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 So who knows? Anyway, we're here to talk about. <laughs> man, we'll get updates <laughs> if something comes up. But we're here to talk about malevolent hauntings. Now, now each of us have been involved with the paranormal and, and cases and investigations, and we may have actually one. Some of us may have actually had some malevolency in in uh, you know personally. 
But uh, I'm going to go around the horn here, and I, I'm going to ask you all, which, uh, you know, what have you experienced in the past, and uh, either cases or personally. I'll start with Dave. Well, I mean, doing this for so long, guys, I mean, I've had a, quite a few hair-raising, like I say in my bio. I've had some pretty hair-raising experiences. Uh, I've been attacked by unseen things several times. I actually had my arm uh, fractured. I can't say it was not coincidence because of what all transpired. Uh, at another location, I had something smack me on the head, so to speak, and I actually had a knot come up and I was bleeding. Um, and that was witnessed by numerous people. And that's during investigations. During, mm. you know, during um, my young life, I had a couple of paranormal experiences that we've talked about on your show before that set me on my, so, you know, my journey into the paranormal, if you will. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, um, two very uh, distinct things. Um, I wrote a book about one, uh, both of them, but the Wicked Forty Six House that we that I dubbed it the Wicked Forty Six House. It's in Pennsylvania. It's a case that uh, I was a part of. Uh, a team of people that went into this notorious haunted house uh, that had ties to the Warrens from the early '80s and everything. And uh, we actually lived in it 24-7 for over 30 days just to investigate it, to, you know, to immerse ourselves into that situation. And uh, went back three more times for two more weeks at a time and uh, had some really bad stuff happen. Um, uh, I had an attachment from it um, after spending that much time in there where my personal life went completely upside down. I went financially ruined. I was having health problems. I was having these horrible nightmares uh, where every night uh, this dark cloud was around me and these black arms would reach out and like physically try to grab me. And every night it seemed as if they got closer, you know, in my dream. And I would often wake up and I'd be pouring the sweat and it felt so real until finally one night, one of them got a hold of my shirt in the dream and grabbed me and I woke up just t- terrified and I was sweating and everything. And I noticed I had a little rip in my t-shirt that I was wearing when I was sleeping and had a scratch on my arm. Mm. And then I, that's when I found out I had a tumor in my leg that just came out of nowhere. Uh, within a, within a week or so after that dream, I, my foot started going numb. So I went to the doctor and sure enough, I had a mass in my leg, the size of a softball. And, uh, I was going, I was going, I started going through a really, really bad divorce. Finances were upside down. And then this light bulb came on in my head and, um, it was like, holy crap, I bet I have an attachment from this. I didn't even think about that aspect. And I went and got blessed by a Catholic priest and I'm not even Catholic. I'm Baptist. Saw a Baptist minister and saw a shaman. And I kid you not, within a week or two, everything seemed to turn around. I did have to go have surgery and have this thing taken out of my leg uh, and other things too. But um, the financial part and the spiritual part, you know, it seemed like everything was falling apart. And it all started when, when I started immersing myself into that case and I never really put two and two together. And that was early, you know, not early, but that was before that I knew of anyone had actually physically done something to that length and that in depth. And I, I really got, it really just, turn my life upside down because before you know you you go and you spend one night or two nights in a place and try to document as much evidence paranormally as you can and that was a whole new ball game back then that was back in 2013 when that happened and um 
And I've done many more cases like that, but that first one was so, some of the things we experienced in that house, it was to me purely demonic and, and negative in nature. Um, and it's, several of the people involved in the first month of it, they didn't last. They were out of there. They left. They were one. I seen two grown men cry like little babies. They were so terrified with whatever was in that house. Mm. And, uh, you know, these things are, you know, for me, and this is all opinion based guys. I mean, there's no experts in this stuff. All we can do is base all of our stuff off of our own experiences, other people's experiences and try to, um, you know, put all that together and say, well, you know, we can't, we can't document that scientifically. We can't recreate it scientifically. Therefore, we think it could be, and I stress, could be paranormal in nature. Um, so when you, when you delve into this stuff, you realize, for me personally, I know there's negative spirits, evil entities, whatever name you want to use, demonic. They're out there. And there's spirits all around us all the time, in my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. But there are very negative ones out there too what exactly they are i'm not going to say i just know what my opinion is and and it's all based off, mm -hmm. off of our cultural beliefs how we've been raised you know so you can't i can't tell joe blow over here that his way is wrong when i don't even know his way you know so um it's all based off of personal opinions and experiences for me mm. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know i've had many things that i've written about that were negative in nature when you go out and look for this stuff, you do experience bad stuff. I mean, that's just the nature of the game. Oh, it's gonna. And the find more you it. look, yeah, the more you look, the odds are, guess what? You're gonna find it. <laughs> Absolutely. How are you, Morgan? Uh, what can you tell us? Oh my gosh. So, well, for me, I've always had a fascination with this side of of the paranormal because usually, if you get a phone call, it's not because people are having a good time. Usually, if they're having a good time, you don't exactly. hear about it. Which, you know, and, and I think that's a, a, a huge misconception with, with the paranormal just out, out of the get-go uh, is that, you know, statistically, the majority of people have very, very positive and happy experiences with paranormal. Statistically, when you, you look at it academically, it's, it's overwhelmingly positive. But then, of course, you get this small faction that gets a lot of attention because when people need help, they really need help. Um, so for me, um, it's, it's been really interesting because really early on when I started to research some of this, um, and I had an experience when I was a kid that was, that was really frightening. I don't know whether it was, you know, quote unquote evil or not, but it was, it was, it scared me as a kid. Um, and, uh, it, but it fascinated me because it was, it was a dynamic that I didn't understand. So when, uh, my business partner, Stephanie and I, when we, really started to research this over the years, we realized something really interesting and that there was a very strong tie to people's emotional energy and what type of paranormal activity they were experiencing. So when we realized that there was a connection there instead of, oh my God, this stuff is just asserted on us and we can't do anything about it. For me, um, immediately I was like, okay, you know, every, no matter how flat you make a pancake, there's always two sides. How how are we engaging and interacting with these energies in the environment that is helping to create this dynamic? Because there, nothing ever is one-sided. So what I, what we realized very early was that when you looked at studies where places, say for example, like um, designated blue zones and things like that, were um, where people were really prioritizing. Uh, like healthy relationships and joy and and things like that 
the people in these communities weren't having these same experiences as the people who were in like even in, in, in the West here, like, you know, we're, we're stressed, we, you know, we don't process negative emotion well, um, we don't have any of that. And what was interesting for us was that as we were, you know, taking clients and we were researching, we were doing these interviews, we were realizing just how much of the, the, the stuff that we're carrying ends up manifesting or attracting in to our environment. So for, for me, the, the real focus hasn't necessarily been the negative entity per se, because it's exactly like what Dave said. We don't know what they are. We don't know what it is. We, we can't slap a label on it. But the one thing we can look at is the human dynamic, that the interactions that are going on. Um, so that was where my focus was. And that's where my book, Teaching the Living, actually came from, was was, was that, that idea. And um, it, and parapsychologically, when you go back into the, the literature, uh, people like Dr. William Roll, Dr. Scott Rogo, although a lot of the big names in parapsychology really tied this in early on from to this this emotional energy side of it, almost as a form of psychokinesis, where they're manifesting these these like intelligences, almost like where the thought becomes the thinker, and these things are they're they're they exist and they're intelligent and they seem to interact. What they are, we don't know, but there's there's hands down a, a, a very close connection to the the people and what they're experiencing and trauma and and all of that all kind of rolled into one. So for for me, that's how I come at this. And um, and like like Dave, I've had <laughs> some pretty crazy experiences too. So it's it, but it, it's fast fascinating. You know, I, that's that's probably the most interesting thing about all of this is how each investigator or each person who's involved with this approaches it, because nobody's the same. I mean, it's all always different. Yeah. Um, I mean, like me for instance, it's more of an intuitive thing as opposed. But of course, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna talk to the people even if it's remotely or you know, I'm gonna talk to them and work on. Them. Um, and listen to them and, and have them tell me what's going on. But, um, yeah, I mean, um, it, it is interesting how p people, you know, each person describes it. How about you, Richard? Yeah, I, I got a phone call and it was from a bar. And uh, the bar is in this location where it used to be a old hotel from the 1800s. And they said there was a lot of uh, a lot of activity that was being caught on cameras and it looked like shadows. So I went in with the team that I assembled and uh, we go into the bar and we start to document, you know, the areas of the bar that we are picking up the activity at. We brought a medium with us and the activity was coming from where a stairwell goes up to the second and third floor. And I asked the owner of the bar, I go, well, what's up on these floors? And he says, well, we rent the rooms for people that are down on their luck, um, people that are getting out of prison, people that, you know, need a place to stay. Some have minor drug issues. Um, so all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, you're experiencing these shadow entities at this section of the bar and they're going up the stairwell and people are experiencing these shadows as they're coming and going from the second and from the third floor coming down into the bar. We had some REM pods that went off with intelligent questions, asking them to step forward, ask them to step away. So we go upstairs and I want to go into the hallways where people are saying they're having these interactions with these shadow beings. 
So we set up cameras and in one of the cameras, I think I sent the picture to Vincent and one of the, the camera um, shots that we got, we have a, it looks like a shadowy mass in back of a door and my team are all in the room and I took a burst of photos and it only appeared in one of the photos. And you could actually see the light coming in from the doorway, from like the doorway and it's lighting up. It almost looks to be like a shoulder. That's actually a, a another shadow that I took um, right at my home. Um, I woke up at three at three thirty in the morning, and that yeah, there, there it is. And you can see this is the second floor. This is one of the rooms where the residents live, and they report seeing a shadow person. Mm. And people that live in this place are saying that they feel. Uh, oppressed they feel you know upset at times anger um very easily triggered even the people that are going to the bar are are saying that you know it doesn't make them feel right um the the workers even say sometimes they feel like it follows them home and it takes a day or so for it to go away and it follows them into their home so malevolent uh it's definitely something that isn't positive Right. Mm -hmm. So we can mm -hmm. agree that there's this negative vibe that's happening in this location, which makes sense. I mean, this isn't an Applebee's. So this is a bar where people are going <laughs> that are already, you know, maybe drinking away problems. And you could figure negative attracts negative if, you know, positive, negative. So if negative energy is attracting negative energies, this would be a prime place for a malevolent spirit or shadow person, whatever they may be slipping out of another realm into this realm or to cause havoc in people's lives. This would be an optimal place to do that. You know, you have a bar and then on the two floors, you have people that are going through their own turmoil um, and searching for God, searching for, you know, what, whatever it may be. So I think that's a perfect storm for this kind of ac activity to move into a location if that makes any sense. And you know, that's, that seems to be the overwhelming theme about these hauntings is a lot of times it has to do with the actual humans, the living. I mean, they're, they're, you got dysfunction, you got something going on there, or it's attracting all this negative energy. I mean, that where it's attracting this entity that's drawn to this negative energy, it feeds upon it. Uh, you know, we've heard about the shadow people and all that, you know, these probably are not uh, human spirit or former right. human spirit. They, they come from somewhere else who knows what they are. But it seems like a lot of this malevolency is attracted to dysfunction or sickness or kids or, you know, any a number of things that just crop up during life and people, you know, uh, I have, you know, I've been attacked. I've been psychically attacked during remote uh, sessions. Uh, I had a, um, I was in the middle of a, a remote viewing and uh, I literally had a, a laceration form from my sternum down to my belly button. I mean, it opened right up. I, I didn't feel it at first, but I did later. And then I knew something was going on. I had, I got attacked at a case I did on Prince Edward Island remotely where I was, uh, I had bruised ribs. Wow. I mean, I literally had to 
you know, I had to go to the doctor and get myself tightened up so I could breathe. You know, that's that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I, I haven't had a whole lot happen to me in person, though I have had a few things. But uh, I don't know what it's, if it's about the remote uh, remote sessions and such where these things are just able to come through somehow and attack you. Yeah. Um, yeah, Can I tell you something on that? About, sure. mm-hmm. um, so I thought it was interesting Richard brought up a bar because spiritually I'm on the side of, uh, you know, they don't call it spirits at the bar for no reason, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, think about this, and this is just opinion-oriented, okay? Right. So I'm a firm believer, and it, and it, and it relates to, to what Morgan said, too, that negative spirits or energies, whatever term you want to use, they use cracks in people to get a foothold, so to speak, whether they're mm-hmm. an alcoholic, a drug addict, or they just have regular turmoil in their life, whatever it could be. Um, and this is more on the spiritual side of things. Okay. So this is a totally opinion oriented, oriented for me um, because I've seen it happen over and over again. Um, a lot of times in these negative hauntings, you know, quotation marks, uh, negative cases, um, people do have a lot of strife and people that are alcoholics or they have drug addiction or they have mental illness of some sort, these spirits, in my opinion, can gain a foothold by that, by utilizing those cracks. Even grief, someone close to you dies and you have all that internal grief. Um, mm-hmm. They use that. You know, they can use that. They can gain a foothold because if you are religious in the, any Christian manner, um, the sole purpose of demonic entities is to what? Kill you and gain your soul correct no matter what what it takes that is what their soul mission is okay um a lot of people um get that little nudge they need by something negative to commit suicide you know because they're dealing with all this strife and turmoil in their life whatever it may be but how do we explain the ones that show no ideation of suicide no negative strife in their life they're happy go lucky next thing you know Next day, they, they off themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's all different ways to look at this stuff. Um, there's a thing called a tulpa. I'm sure you guys have heard of that, uh, mm-hmm. where we can manifest. I, I'm a firm believer that we only use a tiny, we know we only use a tiny percentage of our brain. I think in each and every one of us as human beings, we have a totally unlocked, unused piece of our brain that we can do some amazing things with. Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> I've seen it, and I know you guys have seen cases too, where people are capable of moving very heavy, heavy objects with their mind uh, and levitating and everything else. Um, but when you talk about tulpas, and you and you use that mindset that we are capable of manifesting, just like Morgan said, negative type energies just with our thought process. You know, I believe that is real as well. Yeah, well, you're talking about. I think it's like the collective consciousness, right? If enough people concentrate on something, it will physically manifest into something. Now, what's to say demonic entities or spirits cannot utilize that negative energy to manifest? So, you know, there's a lot of ways you can go down the rabbit hole with this stuff. I mean, uh, we just don't know enough about it to say one way or the other. You know, I mean, that's why we're all doing what we're doing, (laughs) you know, because it is some of man's greatest unanswered questions. 
you know, what happens to us when we die? Are there spirits walking among us? Yes, there is. And yes, yes, yes. And we don't know what they are, you know? So, you know, it's fascinating stuff. And, you know, I think these type of discussions are very important for us to have as investigators. It doesn't matter what side of the pond you come from. It doesn't matter what your belief system is, because all that information is very important to come together and talk about it. You know, right. that's knowledge is power. And the more knowledge we have, the more experiences we share, then we can start, you know, making up some uh, ideations and um, possible outcomes of these of these scenarios, you know. You know, when I got I get called into a case, it, it's it's gotten to the point where it's not good, and I know yeah. that. You know, yeah. uh, and uh, I mean, it, it, from what you just do describe, basically the Tulper thought form manifestation. That you know, Poltergeist cases are just ridiculous. I mean, mm -hmm. um, you've got you you normally got somebody who's living in a family group, usually a younger individual that's you know unconsciously experiencing pk and um psychokinetic energy mm -hmm. and um something that reacts like a spirit or is is actually unconsciously manifested by the, this certain person and it could be a lot of different things people talk about um kids going through puberty or mm -hmm. raging hormones or uh, it, it, and I, I have found most of the times it has to do with dysfunction and, and you know, where there's problems in the family. Uh, and that just seems that, you know, the person kind of holds up and you know, all of a sudden their mind is manifesting all this, this energy. And many times it'll attach itself to a, a, an entity that's already there. Uh, I have seen that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is... You know, the mind, the human mind, if we ever get to the point where we start understanding the human mind to the degree that we believe or what it actually improved or what it actually can do, we might start getting some answers. I don't know if we will or not, but, you know, it's there's something there. There's something about that. Um, Morgan, what do you think about? It? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the bigger the, the biggest question, no matter what angle you anybody takes about the subject matter is it, mm -hmm. it really comes down to understanding consciousness and mm -hmm. what what is it where is it coming from how does it manifest and we know from multiple experiments including things like the philip experiment and stuff like that that we that we absolutely can manifest like working energies with our attention we know mm -hmm. we can we know we can create it and interestingly enough what they've discovered is that you can't actually when like once once this consciousness is developed outside of the person that consciousness can't act or or think or answer outside of the person's knowledge which is always really interesting so you can ask yeah. it questions but if you've got the wrong information so will it so there's some really interesting studies that have been done over the years on the idea that we are actually manifesting these entities and it, like i've definitely leaned completely to that side at this point because i think there's there's a plethora of of evidence that have been tested that you can you can replicate the philip experiment was a great example of that because it was replicable in the, in, in in studies um and it was really interesting so it's really really interesting because you know when dave hit on such a great point is that the, the human mind is is phenomenal and we know very little about its capabilities because often when we look at the model of how we view things, whether it be through 
you know, materialism, because very much like the medical system and biology is very materialistic based, um, where we're hitting a point now where we have to reevaluate that. We have to reevaluate the idea that consciousness is actually comes before that. And so right now we've got this model of the brain where we think, okay, the brain is generating consciousness, all these neurons fire, and then bam, we can interpret our environment. And what they're realizing now is that that model is likely wrong. And that what, what's happening is that the brain is like translation devices, translating consciousness, just in the same way our tongues translate taste, our eyes translate light, our eyes don't generate the pictures around us. Our eyes just translate the pictures around us and then our brain interprets it. And they're starting to realize now that our, our brain might be acting in that exact way where it's actually interpreting this consciousness. And if that's the case, then everything that we're talking about here tonight, like the idea that, you know, our, our negative focus can manifest an intelligence that is separate from us begins to make a whole lot more sense when you don't mm -hmm. need the brain to actually have that consciousness there, then, you know, you can start to build a case for things like life after death or, you know, negative entities that are, are manifested on their own and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I know you've worked with some parapsychologists before. And of course that Philip experiment up in Toronto in 1972, that, yeah, that, that, that was kind of the nexus of all of this where yeah. people really just started understanding that, Hey, you know, you would talk about you talk about poltergeist. You talk about um, mind manifestations and how you know PK and all that. And it, it that kind of that experiment. And I suggest people go and, and search the the Philip the Philip experiment and, and read about it. And uh, it, it is it's intriguing. It's a cornerstone uh, to, yeah. to, to parapsychology. And it's it's interesting because a lot of Canadian parapsychology isn't looked at, which is a shame because the, the, a lot of it, the stuff that has happened here, my, my great-great-grandfather was a, a cornerstone of, of Canadian parapsychology. And it, there was so much that, that occurred here, that case specifically, where it really does alter how you look at cases going forward. And once you can realize that it's like, you know, if you can get yourself out of that, that sort of place where, you know, okay, well, it's just ghosts and goblins and stuff running around and you can start to move into the idea of, wait a minute, like we have a play in what's happening here. We have a, a, a position, we have a role, we have an influence, we have all of that. And then, and to me, that's where it gets really cool because you've got these intelligences out there that absolutely, in my opinion, exist. And, you know, you can interact with them and you can do it. But at the same time, it's like to think that we have a role in that is is not only fascinating, but it's also really empowering. You know, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned you, this to you before, but, you know, most of my poltergeist cases have occurred in the, the Toronto area. That's interesting. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to live in Hamilton. I lived up there for about a year. And I don't know, I, I don't know what it is. And I, I, I ran into a couple cases up there then, but since I came back to the States and since that time, I would say 40 per, to 50% of my cases that involve poltergeist activity happened in the Toronto or Toronto metro area. Interesting. Why really that interesting. happens, I have no idea, but I, I always found that bizarre. Yeah, that is interesting. Like, I know, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of of varied activity I, I find in in Canada. Like, we have a a very wide plethora of 
stuff that goes on here that doesn't necessarily happen in other places. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. Like it's it's a very different culture here when it comes to the paranormal. I'm I'm sort of the odd man out in in a lot of ways. Could um, it be the Native American ties, guys? Well, I think there's very something to so. say yeah. about that because there was a lot going on up there uh, and at the time. And uh, but you know, I I think most Canadians are more open minded to a lot of this as well. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you say that because I've I've found a bit of both. Um, mm. Like it, it where I it's either one or the other. Where you get people that are are absolutely fascinated and they're dying to they're they're dying to learn. Like I have no problem filling classes and workshops and shows and stuff here at all. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is the. Oftentimes, if you go in, say, for example, you know, you hear a report or something like that, and you sit down at a restaurant and say, hey, you know, I hear there's activity here, you know, waitress, you know, what have you experienced? And often you'll get, we're not allowed to talk about that. Don't ask about that. We're not mm. allowed to speak. About that. Um, so it's it's really interesting. Like whole companies have come forward. Like I had a, a theater this was a, a number of years back historical theater which all the staff it was well known to be extremely active with weird things going on and i actually emailed the owner of the theater and i said you know like this is really interesting you know do you have any information are you know able to sort of put point me in the right direction and he emailed me back and called every single one of his staff a liar and he just said you're he's like nope they're all lying this didn't happen and it's like what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, that's really common here. So, you know, going yeah. into places or asking, like, you know, would we be able to do a study here? You that's know, because he doesn't want that, you know, let's say negative connotation stigma, to his yeah. business, you know, because sure. yeah. um, of his paying customers that might get freaked out. Right. Yeah. So, you know, well, I hear that all the time. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, yeah, I, I hear that yeah. all the time. I'm not quite sure most of us do. Uh, Richard, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, I mean, it's it's really people, you know, fear when you go into a location, you know, what could get spun out? Like, what is the narrative that's really going to come out of this? So even if you're starting to talk about the negative effects and stuff, there's going to be a filter on it from the person that's allowing you in there. Mm-hmm. So it's going to change the narrative. It's going to be what they want it to be. I mean... Just just alone, if you think of Canada and you even think of how open overseas the spiritualist movement was accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. overseas, everybody wants to talk about co- communicating with you know the dead and life after death. You come to the States and all of a sudden you start getting looked at like you're a cook. Because, oh, I mean, yeah. so other people yeah. are more open to um, the paranormal and the life, life after death and seance and... So, yeah, yeah I, I really depends what part of the country you're from here in the United States too. If you're in the Bible Belt, or you know, if you're, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's yeah. a lot more than like say when I started doing this, and I'm sure for Lon, he'll tell you too. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, 15, 20 years. You had to really watch where you're at and what you were saying to folks because they'd be like, "You're, a, you know, you're dealing with the mm-hmm. devil and all this other stuff." They would really uh-huh. judge you hardcore. I started doing this in the late seventies. So look, I, I will, you know, I've heard it all and this part of Pennsylvania. And, you know, this is where I grew up at until I moved down to Baltimore, moved back. I call this the, the belt buckle of the Bible belt in, in Pennsylvania because it's very conservative. 
and uh, you 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 know you do have to see you do have to watch what you say even now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a so I mean, can you yeah. imagine when you you know, hey, you know, he's a Catholic and he's a medium, you know, and yeah. then you, you get well, you can't be a Catholic and be a medium because you know, and then yeah. that's a whole other can of worms. It's all judgmental based, you know. I mean, if it doesn't say it in the Bible, it's not true, and that's <laughs> what we deal with, you know, and that's unfortunate. But um, you know, I always when I have <laughs> heated discussions with ministers and and uh, priests and other people that don't want to hear anything else but what's in the Bible, I always say, I always throw them for a loop. You know what I tell them? I said, what's the greatest ghost story ever told? And they're like, what? What are you talking about? I said, what's the greatest ghost story ever told? The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost. And they're like, whoa, yeah. that makes sense. You know? And I'm like, well, think about it. You got to have an open mind, guys. You know? So, <laughs> And that's why I really... I- like I identify more with the spiritualist way of thinking because, you know, they open the floor up at the end of every service for a spirit to come through and bring messages to, you know, their loved one. They're eliminating the middle guy, you know, mm-hmm. that, and you're not allowed to talk to them because that's just no, no. But when you're a spiritualist and you're, and you go to these services, it's beautiful when people are going through such hard moments in their lives and their loved ones are coming through to let them know that there is that continuity and that they are there for them. And they're, you know, answering things that their consciousness thought while they walked into that church service. So that just shows you how our consciousness is even connecting with spirits. So it's beautiful. And I wish more people, I mean, when I start talking about it, they're like spiritualist, what? And I, you know, have to tell them, well, there's a spirit, you know, there's a spiritualist church here. There's one in your town. Oh yeah. And they have no idea about this. So and that's why I, I love when you start going overseas and you start reading, you know, the mediumship that's coming out of England and, you know, just just Europe itself. It's just amazing. So I just wish we get to the point here in the States one day that we are more open to it. I tell you what fascinates me, guys. So you guys know I own a notorious haunted location called yeah. Willow's Weep, right? So um, when it comes down to malevolent negative type hauntings, so what fascinates me and we're talking about energies and what the human mind can be uh, capable of possibly doing. So what do you, what do you make of when you have a location? Okay. My house was built in 1890 and no one's lived physically lived in that house. Oh, it's been 11, 12, 13 years now. No one's physically lived in that house and there's no electric in the house. I pulled it all. So there's no false EMF readings or anything like that. And you still have unexplained activity going on inside the house. So are we saying that? First thing I think is the land. That's the first thing I'm thinking of. So that, you know, obviously that kind of takes away a little bit what we've talked about of the human mind manifesting energy, but does that energy linger on? And I'm a big energy guy. I think for me personally, when there's murders, killings, suicides, I always feel like that's a prime indicator for possible paranormal activity because that energy lingers on there. That horrible moment in time when that blood stained the very ground of that house is on, you know, because somebody killed themselves or somebody was murdered or there was numerous deaths, there's pedophilia, just bad energy stuff. Does that energy linger on? That's what we look into as investigators. We're looking at the energy aspect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think I think though everything that we've we've talked about here it still completely applies. Um, you know, because as we know, energy cannot be created or destroyed. To go back to that trope, um, so depending on you know 
I think what's happened there or whatever, unless something's been done to, to change that, I mean, it makes sense to me that you'd you know, there would still be activity. And then there's another factor in, in there as well called delayed psychokinesis, delayed PK. Um, and delayed PK, again, is like when you've got psychokinesis, that energy has been projected, but it doesn't have to happen in the, in the immediate. Um, and oftentimes the misconception with psychokinesis is that it's like, well, you know, somebody's really, really frustrated or angry or something like that, and bam, something has to happen immediately. And they've shown that that now that that's not the case. And, and uh, if anybody's interested in that, Dr. William Rolls work covers some of that. Um, but that's idea, very interesting. Isn't me. it wild? Yeah. yeah. So they found that that you can you can have that fit, and then you know, like I don't know, like a day later, say for example, all of a sudden a dish explodes. Um, or, or something like that. And they, so they found this, this sort of delayed PK. So I, it makes you wonder like, um, just how, number one, how long that can go on for, which, I mean, they don't have an answer for. Um, but also I think, you know, when you're, we're, we're talking about the land, like Dave, you brought up that and Lon, you've mentioned that as well. Um, you know, there's, there's so much now that they're starting to connect even geologically to some of this stuff. Like I know when, um, uh, both in Edmonton and in uh, uh, Gettysburg, the, the battlefield as well, they're starting to look at um, uh, quartz beds that are underneath yes. and pressure that's that's coming off these quartz beds and things like that that's projecting yeah. like weird stuff and the tie from that into things like residual energy and 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 whatnot. So like it, yeah, you'd want to turn around and I I don't know like do a deep dive even geologically on like what's going on. Well, we know. We know crystals hold energy and store information. We know it. Sure. They're in all of our cell phones, our TVs, and everything else now. So if you have a hotbed like in Gettysburg full of quartz crystal, odds are that energy is stored. And how does it get released? We don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's you just know, like heard- when someone moves into a, a haunted house, uh, they start remodeling, and all of a sudden they had no activity. They start remodeling, and all of a sudden the activity yeah. goes off the chain. What yeah. is the precursor to causing that energy to release, you know? So it's well, fascinating that, that stuff. Kinda tie, that kind of ties in with what's been going on here. I mean, I live 12 miles from the battle, from Gettysburg Battlefield. I'm on the battlefield wow. a lot. So I talked to a lot of people who work there, a lot of the people who, and now they've been doing construction work around Little Round Top. They're redoing the whole area. It's like a year and a half project. I talked to one of the gentlemen who has been working there this winter. And he told me, you know, we've been in there putting trails in, we've been cleaning things up, and the activity is just off the chart. I mean, it's almost like we're in there moving stuff around or just even cleaning up, and we're being told not to do it. The activity has really picked up there. And, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to get somebody to let me in the area now, even though they're doing the work, and they're, they don't really want anybody going in there. But I'm just wondering how that's going to translate and when they reopen everything and what kind of activity is going to pick up at the battlefield. It'd be great well, to get all those workers and get and get their stories. Absolutely. There's definitely a book in that, Lon. I was, you know, it, it fascinated me because, you know, I, I have practically lived on that battlefield most of my life and back and forth and over the years. And uh, I have seen and I've experienced a lot of different, I've heard a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, I didn't really think much of it, but I knew they were shutting down the little round top area and they were going to do some work. And um, 
I, I was up in Gettysburg about three weeks ago, and I was over by uh, one of the shops where they, they sell a lot of artifacts and stuff. And um, I, I, there was a guy in there, and he was telling me, he said, yeah, I've been doing some of the reconstruction work up there. And he said, you know, you want to talk about ghost stories and stuff. He said, I've been hearing for years about all the activity at Gettysburg. I never really thought much of it. He said, you know, we're in there during the day because you know, nobody's working at night, and they're in there moving stuff around. And he said, we got stuff going missing. We got uh, boulders that are rolling on their own. Oh. All kinds of crazy stuff going on, oh. uh, and we don't—you don't hear anything about it. I mean, I wouldn't have heard anything about. It. I know some the people who work at the, the the battlefield wouldn't be saying anything about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, yeah, I, that'll be interesting to see. I'm going to try to follow up on this eventually, but uh, yeah, that you know, and it's what you were saying about you know the stored energy and such, and uh, I just thought about that. But yeah. Crazy. Well, it's interesting you bring you bring that up as well. I've got a a, a really good friend here, and uh, she bought a her and her husband bought a uh, an acreage in uh, sort of south of of where where I live here, about an hour from Edmonton. And mm -hmm. uh, it was interesting because they they bought the land, and the land was completely like it completely treed everything. And they were like, no, we really really want to put our house here, like right in the middle of the trees, a beautiful area. And whatever oh my podcast thank you vincent <laughs> um and uh what was so fascinating was like they had no idea about the property nothing like that and when they started to dig is exactly what you were saying started to happen everything went haywire and yeah. i mean they were digging a foundation for a house i mean it was like no small job and um the first night that they moved in to to the house non-stop activity from beginning to end and it hasn't stopped like it's it's been really a phenomenal journey to be with these this, and they're wonderful people um but it's been a very fascinating journey to to work on their property and what they found was that whenever they would disturb the land or dig like dig a tr like pull something out or whatever they would plant a tree they would return something to it and the activity oh, yeah. would settle right down like an offering yeah yeah and that's so an interesting yeah isn't that interesting yeah, so that's is. what they started to do was every time they're like okay we're gonna dig a garden but we're gonna put something in and that seemed to really really balance things out like it's, it's almost as if the the property itself had a consciousness mm. it was so so cool yeah and i mean and we've had uh, just some incredible experiences on this this property i mean it's it's, it's amazing um but right yeah, your story just reminded me of that because it was it was this real give and take with the land. It was really very interesting. Wow. Does it have Native American ties? Is there any Native American artifacts found there? Yeah, and, well, they haven't found any artifacts, um, but there is burials there, we're pretty oh, sure. Well, and, and they are First Nations as well. Oh. And so it, it's it's been very interesting. And there's been a lot of uh, activity in sort of in relationship to the First Nations in the area that seems to have mirrored in, into the, the property as well. And stuff I had never encountered before. Like this has been such a learning curve for me because there was, mm -hmm. there was so much on this piece of property that I had to really take a step back and, and learn about, um, but it, yeah, it's it's so interesting, and it just yeah goes to show. I mean, we just we don't know what the hell's going on out there. <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, let me ask a question here from uh, Kat Gaish. Uh, 
how to determine the difference between a demonic entity from just a nasty malicious spirit i'm gonna i'm gonna pipe in here I, you know i don't think there's really much difference i think evil is evil you know i i've never really been one to recognize demons but you know i know p people have their own opinion on this so uh what are your thoughts on this oh okay. Anybody want to answer? sure I'll go. Um, go ahead sure uh so uh, for me i i think I think the word demon gets thrown around a lot because of yeah, religious connotations. Yeah. Um, and every every culture, I, I taught for a good number of years in uh, uh, my, my program, Teaching the Living in Post-Secondary Psychology and Social Work. And what was interesting was that the the, the people were from all over the place in these, these programs, everywhere from Indigenous to, we had people from Haiti, we had people like all over different cultures. And every single culture had a name for the phenomenon. And it, you know, like of course, the the Christians and the Catholics, they were calling it demons. You know, you had the the Haitians calling it something different. You had the indigenous people calling it, you know, everything from you know Wendigo to you know pick pick a name. Yeah. Um, everybody had different names or and different stories behind where they felt it came from. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was all all came back to this the same thing. And and like we've talked about throughout the show we don't know what it is. We, we don't know precisely what it is, but everybody's describing the same phenomenon through the filter of their culture. So, it, you know, in terms of, you know, what's, what's this versus that or whichever, oftentimes when you start to, when you take the labels away and you start looking at the behavior of, of the entity itself, it doesn't really matter what you label it. It's just mm -hmm. the same behavior over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think there's necessarily a difference, but I, I encourage people to take the label off of it and then just start looking at the, the behavior of, of the entity. Right. It's just like with people. So if something's attacking you physically, mentally, and spiritually, uh, and it, it's persistent and it's making you sick, more than likely you can label that as whatever you want. It's negative, right? So, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know, I mean, that's break it down in the simplest terms, like Morgan said, take away the label. If it's hurting you in any way, shape or form, yeah. you can label it demonic, negative, evil, whatever, whatever your forte is, whatever your religious <laughs> background is. Yeah. And it was through like an EVP session that a friend of mine was having and we're listening to it and we hear demon. Okay. <laughs> so right away, he's like, there's a demon here. I'm like, how do you know it's not a trickster human yeah. that's on yeah. the other side that knows by saying that word to you, it's going to make you do two things. You're going to run out the door or you're going to change the investigation over to this whole, we need a priest. I mean, it could just be somebody messing with you on on the other side by saying demon to your EVP, <laughs> I mean, to your yeah. digital recorder. So how do we know? I mean, like you said, if you feel physically fatigued and, you know, like ailments start coming on, then you could think, oh, this could be that negative, you know, um, attachment or something that you have. But I always say, like, when you hear the word demon come through in, in an investigation, you know, just you take it for what it's worth. It could be coming from a spirit that's just messing with you, too. Yeah, the other thing, you brought up some, some great points, Richard, and I, I think the other thing that a, a really good surefire way to, to figure out whether something's not good or good is what state of mind are you in? Mm -hmm. And Because you're not going to attract something that's not in the same frequency vibrationally as you are. That vibration, and, yeah. yeah. 
you, I mean, and that's to me, that's that's what it comes down to is check yourself. Like I have a, a chapter in one of my books that's about, you know, if, even if you've got <laughs> a negative entity, sometimes they're a gift because they are cluing you into something you've got going on that you need to clean up. Yeah. So it, it, there's 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 power in saying, hey, wait a minute. If, if, if I'm seeing you, there's there's something going on with me. And usually they reflect the trauma that you've got going on, which is kind of interesting. I had a case, uh, this was a number of years ago now, but uh, it was a, a lady who had, had emailed and her family was in a, a right mess um, to the point where they were sleeping in their car. They, they couldn't sleep in their house anymore. Um, and the, the entity that was there was just making mincemeat out of this poor family. And what was interesting was that it was very focused on her. It wasn't focused on the husband. It was still, it wasn't nice to the husband, but it, mm -hmm. it was okay. And I thought well, that's really interesting. So I started to ask her questions. I was like, well, you know, tell me about, tell me about your past history. Let's, let's take a look at that. Cause immediately you have to start looking at the, the person at that point. Right. And I said, okay, what, what's, what's going on with you? Oh no, everything's great. My life's been great. Everything's fine. Well, that's not true or this wouldn't be going on. So eventually after I'm talking to her long enough, what was interesting was that the man that she was involved with before her current husband was severely abusive and like physically abusive, would hit her, would, you know, you name it, he was just a jerk. And she ended up leaving him and got in a great relationship with this new guy. He was an amazing father and he was awesome, but she hadn't cleaned up anything that she had, she had happened to her before. So she's dragging that baggage into wow. the new relationship. And that's why she was saying, Oh, my life's great. You know, complete just denial, yeah. like push it down. Push it down. Ah. Yeah. And, she's still sitting in her poop and her past traumas or, yeah. you know, and, invading. And, and, is mirroring the, the abuse. So she mm -hmm. moved from one abuser to the next abuser and, and she hadn't cleaned up. So, so we, I, you know, I told her at that point, I said, I said, you got to, you got to get your stuff together. You got to get yourself cleaned up. And I said, this yeah, will go away. Yeah, this will go away. You got to heal this stuff. And, and she did. And it, you know, it's of course the, the, it started to dissipate, but it was one of those things where, you know, yeah. So I would, that would be another way that I would, that I would tell people, you know, if you've got something like that going on, check, Check yourself. It's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's totally. a key. Yeah, they That's say true. that the, the high, the low vibration entities and energies cannot exist in high vibrational people. Bingo. And um, yeah. you know that's I believe that one hundred percent. Like so you know, I, I have found that that's really the only way to deal with poltergeist is, is basically you you know you can't go in there as an investigator or someone who's going to start clearing think they're going to clear something. Doesn't you got to talk to where <laughs> you got to talk to the person. Yeah. where this is coming from and, yeah. and get them and get the people around them to clean up their act. Big time. And this yeah. thing is going to move on because it has nothing to feed upon. You know, not yeah. one. I just wanted to say one more thing. You know, I've always found it fascinating and I've done this a couple of times. Say the word demon in front of, front of a clergyman or a priest and see how they react. <laughs> they don't want to talk to you. I mean, no, it's like, you just, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. I mean, they don't want to talk anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have always found that funny, but you know, you know, yeah. I've controlled myself. I didn't laugh at him or anything, but I just thought found it fascinating. We got another question here. This is Vincent. Um, what are entities like the hat man? Has any of the guests dealt with this phenomenon? That's a tulpa. Ooh, yeah. I think. Slender yeah, I would have to agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Slenderman's definitely a tulpa. 
Hatman may be a Tulpa. We don't know, but it's yeah. Well, the Hatman thing is so strange too. Like the the history behind that and associate. I, I wrote an article for Haunted Magazine on on Hatman, and what I found really fascinating about this was how it spanned so many different cultures mm-hmm. and that it was linked to uh, a, a I can't remember now the of course the name of the disorder has gone out one ear and out the other uh, but it was linked to a sleep disorder yeah. and it was so interesting to me because it was primarily in one particular culture and it it sort of got drug over it seemed with that particular culture um, but it seemed to be this like this sort of sleep disorder um, slash, I, I don't know, consciousness that seems to be coming in. Like, and like Dave says, I think, I think at this point now is some sort of a tulpa, is some sort of a, a thought form that keeps showing up because I mean, it's, it's now bridging go- cultures and gaps and, and oceans that, I mean, it's technically shouldn't be. Yeah. Mm. It's just like the old hag, the sleep paralysis thing, you know, it's, it's similar. Yeah very similar to that in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, these things, does it, does it truly happen to people? Sure. I believe it does. I mean, um, but is it some kind of subconscious manifestation of someone who has a lot of strife in their life or whatever's going on health wise or whatever? We don't know. I mean, it's all interrelated to me. I mean, all of it. So big time. I, I think the hat man phenomenon is very similar to shadow people for the most part, but though the hat man thing, in, in cases I have been involved with where a person would describe to me, well, they look like they had a hat. A lot of times they have the glowing eyes or they've got another being with them or they've got something else going on. Uh, but the, the overall characteristics seem the same or very similar to what happens with the shadow people is they're there to feed off dysfunction or mm-hmm. bad energy or something like that. And, um, you know, I have always, when I've had to help someone, uh, and I do think it's a tulpa. I think I think it is a self manifestation, and uh, I, I I think um, it, it's got to be handled like a poltergeist situation. It's not exactly like like a shadow person. That that's kind of like you got to starve the beast of the energy. This is something different. My grandmother told me a story and I've for the longest I always thought it was a ghost story when I was a kid Mm -hmm. and she lost her husband she's in bed sleeping and something woke her up in the middle of the night and she wakes up and she really couldn't move but she could see the foot of her bed and she could make out that there was a man and he had a black trench coat and he had a fedora and it scared her she put the covers back on her head and said please 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 go away and when she put the covers back down, what was ever at the foot of her bed was gone. So that makes you think, too, you know, she was going through the loss of her husband, maybe, you know, the energy. I mean, yeah. I, it, it was very Please. interesting, though. Yeah. Huh. Like I said, it's one of those grief situations that those entities or energies try to manipulate and take advantage of you know that's what i feel when those type of situations happen yeah and it she like said it was a split second she saw him she put the covers back back over her head and then it was gone and she remembered it as clear as day up into the point that when she passed away she would always tell you know the story over again and you know as i got older and i knew what shadow people were and then i learned about the hat man uh, i'm like wow this is more that than this (laughs) 
Well, and there's weird ties in, again, like we were talking about cultures, like these, these interesting ties with, with the hat man culturally as well, like people creating the stories about what they think that these things might be. Like I did a, a an episode of, of this on my podcast, Supernatural Circumstances, where I had a, I had a guest on who was, she a very, was very religious and firmly believed that, that no, this had to be you know, the devil. This was yeah. something like, so it's interesting how, you know, like we've mentioned before that there's, there's sort of these cu different cultural takes on, well, this is what this is and often related. Oh, thank you, Vincent. Um, often related to um, just our, our own filters. And I think the stories we're telling ourselves about what these things are. And, and that I think is something people, whether they're seeing like things like Hatman or, you know, the Slender Man thing, like, like yeah. you guys were mentioning, you know, all of that is it's like, you really got to take a step back and, and think about what, what's your narrative about what this is, because I think that adds a lot to people's like their, their fear, what they're, what they're thinking about the situation, how they're moving through their world. All of that is it's like, what is the narrative you're telling yourself? Well, that all goes along with the mainstream church, guys. I, I truly feel we've been brainwashed for generations. We're only told what they want to tell us. We've we've had the old ways taken from us. And, uh, you know, we can do a whole other show or two on that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of hesitate to even talk about that sometimes. I Every once in a while, I will talk about, <laughs> uh, you know, doing a case where somebody has called a priest or called a, a pastor or somebody to come in and they're usually the first ones running out the door. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, well, and what a lot of people don't realize too, is that if you're, if you're, if you're acting in any way out of fear, you're putting focus where it shouldn't be. If you, you want to shift the energy in your, in your environment and you want to change the dynamic that's going on, don't come at it from a place of, oh my God, get out of my house. You know, come at it from a place of appreciation, of joy, of positive aspects, of get yourself into the good energy first and then start to shift what you're doing. But if you're coming at this as, you know, oh my God, you know, fear and terror and whatnot, and, you know, you're trying to use, you know, somebody else's belief system to cure the problem, whatever this is not going to work. It's, it's just not going to work. So I, I think a lot of the time, like you were mentioned, Dave, you mentioned the church, you know, people think that they've got this monopoly on paranormal activity. Like you have to have the priest come in and do the thing. And, you know, there's this whole thing. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's like, no, that's, there's, there's a million ways, whatever makes you feel good, whatever brings right. you joy, do 100%. that. Yeah. yeah. When I take a case, I ask the people what they're, what they believe in, what's Absolutely. their denomination, what do they do? Because that's the only way you're going to be able to deal with it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Agree with you 100%. You know, I've had two instances where I got called into something where, you know, a family was scared or sleeping in the living room and they called me in the middle of the night. I, I had one case in particular, it was local. My son and I went out there and, uh, you know, I got to the house. It was very close to me. I walked in there and she said, oh, yeah, I called the priest, too. What the hell did you call the priest for? I mean, what'd you even call me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and I go upstairs and start nosing around priest. I come back downstairs. The priest is standing in the voyeur and he asked me, so what's going on? I told him, I said, I don't know what, what it is, but it, it there's some knocking going on up there. OK, well, I, I, I'll you know, I'll talk to you all. He he skedaddles out of there. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, and you yeah, know, it's like, I see what happened in the movies. I'm out of here. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you know, unless he's, you know, this is what gets me about the Catholic Church, and I might get myself in trouble saying this. And look, I, I, you know, I, I understand the whole Catholic rights thing, and you know, the whole thing with the church, and as far as exorcism and all, but you know. You just can't call a priest out of a local parish and have him expect to do anything because, first of all, they don't really want to do it. They're not trained to do that. I am glad now that, especially here in the United States, that they're actually training priests to do this or to recognize what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I know in Baltimore they've been doing that in recent years. They they actually hold a they actually hold a symposium every year and they bring them in there. They, you know. And they have people from Rome come over and, and, and work with them. And that's just been going on the past decade. But if you call if you call the local guy, he's not gonna do anything. You know? No, they won't even help people if they're not active in the church either. Well, that's true too. If they're if you're not active, you might as well not even call them because they won't come and help you. Or they'll look at their piece of paper and be like, You didn't make a donation within a yeah. year. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I've seen it's that all, too. It's all money and fear-based driven, all of it. So you, you think about it. Think of how our ancient cultures, right? We we embraced death and the communication with you know spirit and the land and our ancestors, and how that changed as time went on. To now us needing to go to a building and for us needing to give money for uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it got lost in translation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really you know. Oh, make no mistake. There was an agenda yeah. <laughs> from way back. Mm-hmm. Well, I got another question here. I'm going to ask before we wrap it up here. This is from Tracy Hall. Do any of you have suggestions for dealing with sleep paralysis? Yeah, go to a doctor. <laughs> go to a doctor. Um, you know, that's it. It really, it it really comes down to that. And I mean, it's, and spiritually, it's kind of interesting, or I should say, scientifically, is that. Um, there's been some interesting research into both the hypnagogic and the hypnopompic states of sleep. The hypnagogic being when you're going into sleep, the hypnopompic becoming when you're coming out of sleep and you're kind of in that hazy space. And um, they're realizing now that it's becoming very difficult to tell what is actually hallucination versus what is real. And that the hallucinatory parts of the brain, which they thought were active are now, it's now, a little the line is blurring a little bit so it's it's sort of opening up a new door in parapsychology research right now because it's like well what does that mean like what are are Mm -hmm. people seeing then um but when it comes to things like like sleep paralysis and stuff i think the biggest thing is is don't jump to the conclusion that it's something supernatural like go to the doctor get evaluated you know go go to a sleep clinic um and things like that and and deal with it that way because i think the worst thing you can do is kind of scare yourself into thinking that there's you know oh my god this is something because yeah. the night terrors and stuff during sleep paralysis are not like nightmares like they are completely another ball game they're it's it's really terrifying and and whatnot so definitely uh yeah see a doctor about it and you can always record yourself when you're sleeping too to see what mm-hmm. you can pick up yeah you know and I, I think like energy work is huge too. I mean, if you're if you believe in energy, I mean, I I would go and have some Reiki done, and mm-hmm. you know, shop, you know, your chakra is balanced. I mean, that also is huge. Whether you're reset. normal, yeah, <laughs> yeah. ground so, yourself, get grounded. <laughs> yeah, somebody, uh, Marla, 
post in there about drumming helps. And yeah, I have used that in the past as well. Meditation. Um, you know, there, I, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. I mean, you know, I had sleep paralysis when I was a kid. And the stuff that I was, even though I was, in, I was intuitive, I didn't realize it at the time as a kid, but I was sensing and seeing all kinds of crazy stuff, especially in the middle of the night, I'd wake up and I'm just seeing this whatever was up there hovering above me. And uh, I don't ever, I still don't believe it was something that was actually a manifestation. I, it was just my mind, you know, an overload, you know. But um, yeah, I, I agree with what you said, Morgan. You, 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 if you do experience sleep paralysis or something to that degree, I think you should should go to a doctor or seek someone who actually specializes in that. Yeah, because the last thing you want is, you know, going to, you know, some hobbyist or, or something like that and having them be scared yeah. the hell out of you by saying, oh, you're, you know, you're getting attacked by a demon or something like that. It's like, no, get it treated, you know. And then if, you know, if you still got weird stuff going on, then then work it from there. But get healthy first. Yeah. Got to work on you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go around the horn here, and folks, I want you to tell, uh, you know, let everybody know how they get in contact with you, what you got coming up, any, you know, anything you want to say. I'm going to start with Dave. Okay, you can uh, find out about me or contact me through my website, www.davespinksparanormalinvestigator.com. It lists all the upcoming events I'll be speaking at this year, how to get my books, how to contact me via email and, and whatnot, so... Hope to see you at Dave Spinks World of Weird sometime. Come visit the store. Morgan? Okay. Um, my one-stop shop is entityseeker.ca. And uh, you can literally find everything there, including a link to my podcast, Supernatural Circumstances, with uh, Mike Brown. And uh, always have all the books. Links to the books are there. Links to the podcast. You can download the podcast on literally any platform, including iHeartRadio and Audible. Um, both my books are available there, The Gift of Instinct, Paranormal Lessons for an Extraordinary World, and Teaching the Living from Heartbreak to Happiness in a Haunted Home. And you can also see my shows and lectures as well, which are I'm now booking for 2023. So if you want me to come and speak and do any of the theater shows and whatnot that I do, I teach with fire and all sorts of fun stuff. And you can get a hold of me there as well for that. Okay, Richard. Well, you can find me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm on all the socials. You can find me at www.richardmichella.com. And on there, I have my storefront. And also through there, you can book a session for my spirit art session. So, yeah, everything's on the website. So thank you. Well, folks, I appreciate you coming on with me tonight. I think we got a lot done in the hour and 15 minutes that we were on. We did talk about a lot. And, should, we check, uh, should we check the CNN feed for the... Yeah, the, go ahead and see the update on the, on the UFO. Let's, let's see one one last... One last check here. Has there been any <laughs> updates on our, our strange UFO or UAP phenomenon? Not yet. Oh, my. Well, we'll have to wait. To, I, oh. I think they've told everybody to shut up now. So the narrative is already going to start changing. You know? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, it'll be interesting yeah. to watch YouTube tonight because everybody beyond the, all the cre content creators will be up there putting their own take on this thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
You're going to wait like Roswell. The next day, they said it was a weather balloon, 24 hours. I was going to say that, Dave. I was going to say you're going to wake up in the morning and it's a weather balloon. (laughs) Yeah, I hate it when you have to shoot down that swamp gas. Mm. I don't understand. Well, Dave Morgan and Richard, I want to thank you again for coming. And we'll do this again. I like this group. We had a, we, we had a really good conversation. So uh, you all have a good evening. Have a good rest of the week. Good weekend. And uh, we will talk soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you all. Take care. Now, if you have a sighting or encounter report that you'd like to be considered for the personal report show or even on Phantoms of Monsters, Please uh, feel free to forward to me at lawnstrickler.famsmonsters.com. I want to again thank David and uh, Morgan and Richard for joining me this evening. I thought it was a really good show. And, and thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. We have a great chat room. Uh, and, I, you know, whatever support you can offer, please like, subscribe, and share. And uh, let's see, next Wednesday, and we're going to have a Wednesday show with a guest. Uh, next Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, I will be joined by Danae Navajo investigator Brenda Harris, who has actively looked into various activity in pe- her people's native land in the Four Corners area for several years. So uh, this should be an interesting show. And next Friday night at 9 p.m., 6 p.m. Pacific, investigator, filmmaker, and Phantoms of Monsters, 14 Research Affiliate, Eric Mintel, will join me to discuss uh, recent cases and upcoming projects that he and his team have planned for 2023. And stay tuned for Paranormal Life with Bernadette McDaniel with her guest uh, podcaster, Bigfoot Michigan Rob, here on Families and Monsters Radio at 11 p.m. Eastern. So until we meet again, stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you. Good night. Good night.